This is a Suno India production and you're listening to the Suno India show. A number of arrests have been made in the Suli deals and Bully Buy cases recently. Suli deals and Bully Buy were apps created on GitHub to virtually quote-unquote auction Muslim women and pictures from the app would be shared on Twitter. Although not set up for any actual sale, the purpose of the apps were to humiliate and degrade the women. Most of the women targeted are vocal, political, Muslim and critics of the country's Hindutva politics. Suli Deals was created in July last year, while Bully Bai debuted on the 1st of this year. There were no arrests after the Suli Deals incident. All the arrests happened after Bully Bai led to fresh outrage online. It began with the Mumbai police arresting Vishal Jha from Bengaluru and Shubham Rawat and Shweta Singh from Uttarakhand. Then the Special Cybercrime Unit of Delhi Police arrested Niraj Bishnoi from Assam. All are between 18 to 21 years old. So how does the police investigate anonymous crimes online? How can it trace the perpetrators? And why did it take so long? Hi, I am Surya Tapa Mukherjee, your host for this episode of the Suno India Show. I spoke to Karan Saini, a security researcher and a public interest technologist, for an answer to these questions. What has been your personal work regarding Suli deals and Bully Buy? Uh, what have you found? Can you like take us through the steps of like how you sort of do this kind of work? So last year when this happened, I believe this was either June 2021 or July 2021. Yeah, so initially the work was around collecting the tweets of people who were, who were sharing this. The intent of collecting these tweets was to first analyze what they were saying about what they were saying when they shared that link. Were they so performing sentiment analysis for like the lack of a better phrase and to see whether they were condoning it, whether they were in support of it. And what I found then was that most people that were sharing the links, it was very insular. So like the people that were sharing the links and people who were talking about this website were people who were in support of it. So uh, which which is much different than what happened this time around, I would say. Because uh, from what I noticed this time around when the website came up again under a different name, it, it appears as if there were only two to three accounts and there was a network within those two to three accounts, which and those accounts were also freshly created, obviously for the purpose of sharing you know, sharing this like on Twitter. What what I noticed, which happened this time around, which didn't happen last time, was that these accounts were then, you know, engaging with other popular accounts, which sort of shared it in a way where it got engagement from the, fo- like, you know, where it got engagement from the followers of, say, like a big, big account that retweeted it. Instead, last time around, there were multiple, like there were many, like say dozens of small accounts tweeting links like to each other. And I think it went on for like a bit more longer than it did this time before sort of it, it got it caught the public's attention. But yeah, so 
in, initially the work started with just sort of cataloging what was happening around like the conversation that was happening around the website on on Twitter and from there trying to pinpoint the handles involved in sharing the website and then also to sort of try and figure out okay if this is the first handle that tweeted it like what's the you know likelihood that it is also the account that created it so now with the arrest by the mumbai police so what changed this time around do you think that it it's simply like that there's more public pressure this time around because it's the second time that this has happened or uh, do you think it's you know maybe like politics because maharashtra or is it that with bully by maybe there was some new information that added to what we had with suli deals and that helped the police or is it just that the mumbai police had a different approach than police in other places like what do you think might be the reason of these arrests so speaking purely from a technical perspective the the code that was used between these two websites is almost fully identical and when i say the code that was used that's the code that um, at least say the javascript code that a- anyone can observe and they can view it when they access the website if they if they know what they're doing and there can be multiple reasons behind that obviously it can be that this sort of code base must have been shared among like a group of people who are now i mean if now they have access to this code base they can just keep remaking the website changing the name changing the changing the platforms they're using to host it but i believe it it's it's actually a mixture of all of the things that you have said since you know considering that uh, even last time around there were a lot of identities that were revealed at least the police might have been in a place to how do you say it the police would have been in a place to sort of start building a case and it could be possible that this time around given that they had more public pressure they they decided to act on it but creating a new twitter account even with a pseudonymous or you know if it's possible like a totally anonymous email would give like sort of shield them from what what they're doing but there can obviously be so many other kinds of sort of operational security failures say when you're like signing up to twitter if you use the same phone but you're using a vpn and a new email twitter will still know it's the same phone that's accessing you know that that's creating this new account because and that's the case with a lot of these other like say mobile based applications that one might use to make these fake accounts your device id is sent with every request that you make or at least when you sign up and so say if mumbai police contacts twitter and says this is an account that we're trying to trace can you find out you know who else like what other accounts did this person create it would be very easy for twitter to do so if the person was using their mobile phone or if the person was using their home sort of you know internet connection but yeah it's it's hard to sort of i mean i i guess it would just be conjecture if we are to sort of try and arrive at why i mean how this time around they were caught but i would certainly say the immense public pressure had had something to do with it could you give us an idea of how because obviously we don't have the details again we can only speculate but how the police would be investigating this case and the things that they can do to find the perpetrators i guess the path that the police would have to take is to identify all of the platforms that are being used and once all of the platforms have been identified say in this case it was twitter and github primarily last time around it also included i believe uh, godaddy and namecheap as they were used to sort of uh, as they were used to purchase domain names which would you know then be pointed towards github and then visiting that domain name would point to that github site so first i would say the process is to identify the platform that is that is being abused after that it is i mean it is simply a matter of requesting information from that 
from those platforms and there could be instances where someone has uh, you know sort of preempted that okay these accounts will will get requests for information about them from police so we will create a new email address or we will use say an email address that does not have you know our name in it or we will have a sim sim card like you know which belongs to another family member or something of that sort because at this point when you consider that these accounts are created brand new and they're not hacked or stolen accounts it sort of becomes easier then to track who's doing this because there there is bound to be some sort of connection say from those accounts to that person's real world identity so once say github would give information about the uh, you know the user that created like the, the user that was hosting this uh, project github would also be in a position to provide the email address the ip address that was used i believe details about the system that that the person was you know using when they were using github as well and these things sometimes can on their own be enough to track an individual especially from from the perspective of law enforcement since they have an ip address and if this person did not use a vpn while while doing this this crime the police can just go to the internet service provider say for instance they can go to geo or atl and tell them hey one of your customers is you know we need data on one of your customers as they violated the law geo and atl would all be in a position or like any other isp for that matter would be in a position to take that ip address figure out who it was assigned to at the time at the time say or you know around the rough time where the crime is alleged to have taken place and then sort of place it to the like place it to an actual person which uh, who would be a customer of theirs and considering these people are you know i, I mean I, i believe one of the persons who was arrested was as young as 18 so they're not i would imagine they're not thinking of operational security in a way where they would go to a cyber cafe and you know wear wear a facial disguise and then use use a vpn or something of that nature um if if that is indeed the case then it would be fairly straightforward for the police to go from having a username to having a real identity what information can these platforms provide to the police and what are they legally allowed to withhold because of jurisdiction as these are foreign based companies with github and twitter or i mean essentially with any sort of us based company i believe the mlat process has to be followed but i wouldn't imagine that kind of information they would make available about someone who has committed a crime in in the indian jurisdiction would differ from you know the kind of information that they would provide for someone who's committed a crime in you know a jurisdiction like the us where these companies are usually sort of operating out of i would say in in terms of their ability to help identify the perpetrators like the github and twitter and other platforms involved would be you know able to provide the same information that they would to say you know a law enforcement agency within the us as well again that information relates to when the account was created whether they know whether this individual has more accounts information about those accounts as well if they exist you know about any previous accounts that they their system sort of logged so yeah i would believe that uh, the kind of information that they provide through the mlat process which which is fairly straightforward would be of like enough uh, investigative value mlat or the mutual legal assistance treaty is a treaty between two international locations aiming to exchange and gather information to implement legal guidelines the us signed such a treaty with india in 2005 so indian police can request information from us based companies through mlat following a set procedure 
do you think we require changes in our law to have better policing of such online activities and what is the role of bodies like the indian computer emergency response team in these cases i would say from a legislative point of view the provisions that are required to investigate something like this rather any other cyber crime or any other crime which is sort of aided by the use of the internet or computers already exists the police is already able to from from their own end access the data that they want to if they need it barring very you know very special circumstances say where say the company that they're requesting data from is in a jurisdiction where they're not legally obligated to or where they don't have a treaty with the government of india or whether they simply just don't wish to assist law enforcement agencies in that case i would say it is more of a matter of it relates more to from what it seems like um just just a lack of focus on, on these sorts of crimes though i'm sure that is bound to change considering that it is something that is happening so often and uh, i mean because these are actual crimes that are occurring i would say that like a change in law would not would not necessarily result in the law enforcement agencies being better equipped with dealing with such cases rather i i think it is a change in attitude as well as their sort of operational operational skills and training especially relating to dealing with these crimes more so long as they're continually mo- you know motivated to not just brush these crimes aside until they take center spot and also they know how to deal with these crimes i feel like there's lesser chances of these uh, this happening in the future but yeah i, I don't think that a change in law would necessarily enable uh, you know police to act in in a better capacity than they are now police in action in the solidius case was contrasted with the case where virat kohli's daughter received an anonymous rape threat on twitter and the perpetrator was caught uh, do you think this was a fair comparison these two cases are very similar in nature both deal with dissemination of illegal content online and i i would say that it is probably you know a bias at play or rather which you know that considering that it's affecting a person of the stature of of virat kohli the police are more more sort of you know under public pressure or they have more perceptually they feel like they're more obligated to resolve this but i i believe in 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 terms of how the crimes were carried out which is over um over the internet and over social media specifically that the cases like the actual text which was shared would not matter since they both i mean since both crimes are like carried out in the same way so i i i feel that you know both crimes should should obviously be investigated with the same sort of rigor and same cadence but it is also possible that there was more bias or you know more pressure in in the case of with virat kohli so with suli deals and now bully by the arrests especially show that it is a group of young people working together to do this so how has the internet been like number one a space for radicalization of hindu youth and number two a platform for such behavior and how can such behavior online be monitored and stopped in the future that that is an interesting question i would say when it comes to radicalization there's certainly a lot of parallels that can be drawn with you know similar radicalization of the far right in 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 the united states they in in terms of at least organization they also operate on 
on Twitter. They also use pseudonymous accounts. If you read the content that is shared among the sort of two communities, you'd find that it is more or less the same. And I would say, I mean, I guess that since, especially with Twitter, like platforms like Twitter, it is hard to, you know, like hard to actually know which accounts are, say, sock puppet accounts, which accounts are being used for, say, carrying out what is known as information warfare, whether all of those accounts are bot accounts or operated from some sort of bot farm. But considering that in this case, you know, even in the US, those accounts, the bot accounts or the sort of sock puppet accounts have a real impact on actual individuals who then become radicalized. I would say it is something that social media platforms need to actively monitor and, you know, combat. And I, I'm, I'm actually not sure how much of that is happening, say, on platforms like Twitter or Facebook, but I believe it's their duty to sort of sort of see through that their platforms are not being used for, you know, not only organizing, but having people introduced to these sort of ideologies anyway. Please rate our podcast and leave a comment if you like it. Underreported and underrepresented stories can become mainstream only if it reaches more people. So please support us by visiting our contributing page on our website sunoindia.in or follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram.